Hello. This is a pre-warning, trigger warning, content warning, whatever you call it. We talk about depression and suicide in this episode. It's a great episode, but if those things are sensitive topics for you and you'd rather skip this episode, go right ahead. Welcome to the Board Game Community Show podcast. That is a long name. Um, <laughs> I Maybe don't cut that part. Say... Try it again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Board Game Community Show. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today we're going to be getting to know John Wood. Hello. How you doing? I'm excellent. How are you? Good. You've been my board game mentor for the past uh, month and a half now. That's a generous, I think, uh, generous <clears throat> approximation of uh, what I'm doing. But yeah, I, I'm trying my best. <laughs> I, I think that it's actually a, like a humble version. I would much rather call you my board game sensei. Oh, well, that's even more flattering. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Do my best. But um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I was really worried about it, but it's been going really well um, overall. So Yeah. And you're not just saying that because I'm your mentor. No, and um, <laughs> I was a mentee like a year ago or maybe uh, two years ago, a year ago. And so uh-huh. as a mentee, uh, my mentee was Tony Tran. Um, he is in, uh, like a Nashville, Nashville, Nashville designer, and he kind of runs like some stuff over there. And at the time, I was really feeling really low about myself as a designer in general. Um, and he really put me back on track. And so I've been eternally grateful for him and for the program. So I would just wanted to give back and, um, yeah, it's been incredible. Well, you've been nailing it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Trying, trying. You've been designing games for how long? Uh, so the, I say the first time, uh, I, I always say, uh, Christmas Eve, 2017 is my, is my official time. I first started being a game designer. Um, I had made a game called Hall Monitor. And then you play as kids trying to get your friends out of class and trying to avoid teachers in the hallway. But whoever's doing the worst in the game gets to control the teachers, and they're like the hall monitor. Oh. Um, Yeah, it was really bad, but I'll eventually come (laughs) back to that game because I love the concept. I love the concept of, like, um, being able to, like, get your friends out of class and... um, but yeah, the game at, at the time was really bad. It was on, on like paper. My teachers were little squares that had little um, arrows showing their like which cardinal direction they were facing. Um, and yeah, you can go through like a you could go through like an air vent and whatever. But point is, um, that was like the first time uh, my family sat down and played one of my my games, and they were very gracious. And I look back and I like cringe like whenever I think about that game. And I subjected a lot of my coworkers to that game at the time. And, like, they won't play my games to this day, even though it's been, like, three years. And I'm like, I've gotten better, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, that seems like a a horror story, like a, what do you call it, lesson. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, find people who who will elevate your designs and not, like, necessarily yes-men. And... uh, if you're going to do it with friends and family, like maybe make sure it's actually gotten like a couple good passes first. Obviously if you have like a, someone who's a good sport and is willing to just play whatever you do, but like um, the people that don't, that don't owe you anything, just be careful with that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to another designer and he said that back in the day, pre COVID world, 
he would literally talk to people on the bus or on the tracks or train uh, mm. and and find out if they liked board games and then invite them over to his house to play his oh, that's prototype. wild i Whoa. know and so i was just like because i was asking him where do you find play testers and he's like on the bus on the train like anywhere i go i just strike up a conversation and see if people are interested in board games Oh, my severe social anxiety would not allow me to do that. <laughs> right. Oh, that my gosh. My oh, my gosh. That's awesome, though. I mean, yeah, but whew. wow. Um, I can't even imagine, but yeah, it, really cool. And if you knew him, he's just one of those like super nice guys. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Never, never, never. He's never met a stranger, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But how many games do you have designed approximately now? uh <laughs> that's a great question uh, so I'll, I'll let me let me counter that with another question of my own are you talking about active designs or how many games in total let's say neither of those but let's say uh something that's at least made it to the playtest phase oh probably in the 30s maybe 30s wow. or 40s yeah um i so I had touched on this when you were kind of like saying like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Um, so I suffered with really, really, really strong depression uh, for a really long time, probably from like 10 to 23-ish. And um, it was just horrible. I was thinking about killing myself about once an hour. Um, actually, probably once every 10 minutes when it was really bad. 2012 was here in my life. But uh, around 2016, um, I went over to my grandma's house and she kind of has a friend and we played, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to hate if I can't remember this. It's a flying frog game. Oh my gosh. Uh, we played this game with him and I was like, oh my goodness, like, is this what games can be? And um, <laughs> I ended up really liking games then. And then as I started getting more into games, I was like, well, oh, Shadows of Brimstone. That was the game. Uh, you play as cowboys and you shoot like Cthulhu tentacles and stuff. It's really fun. Oh, that sounds uh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's really like a sloppy design, but there's a lot of love that goes into it. Um, we can talk about that more later uh, about like <laughs> the nuts and bolts of design, I guess. But um, but yeah, really, really cool game. Um, but yeah, so I started like, I was like, oh, like I want to play a game where you like play as a kid and you're trying to get your friends out of class because like I hated school growing up and that was part of my depression and whatever. And so I started making this game, Hall Monitor. And then one day I kind of like looked back and I remember this moment. I was like, you know, I haven't thought about killing myself in a long time. Um, so there's this psychological thing where it takes about two weeks to create a habit. So if you start thinking about um, like killing yourself and like you start, you know, getting into that really negative mindset, if you keep on doing it, eventually it'll fall into a habit. And so that's where I was at. And so what I found was, is using game design as like a, as like an alternate force. So like if I was starting to kind of get into a lower spot, I was like, nope, we're going to change gears. We're going to start working on a game. I found that it really helped me. And I actually get notably like in a worse condition if I'm not actively working on something. So ever since uh, 2017, I've been chasing it pretty rapidly um, because it keeps my brain happy. Very nice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, well, I guess this is a new <laughs> new podcast, but on my other podcasts, I had a an episode about mental health. And so mm-hmm. I've had those same types of struggles. And 
And that's why I have so many hobbies is just mm-hmm. be- for that same reason. It was, I mean, I tried to kill myself at least a dozen times. Right. Been there. And yeah. And it's just like finding stuff that you can be passionate about and change your thought process. Something that can spark joy, if you will, makes uh, such a difference. And, and for me, one of the things I love about board game design is it feels like problem solving. It is. Yeah. And, and so it's like, if I'm, if I see a problem in a game I'm designing, then that like my mind is working towards the solution there and it's not focused on myself. I really like game design because it's like a puzzle that you create for yourself and the correct answer to the puzzle is how do you make this more fun? How do you make this more interesting? It's a very weird thing that I'm not sure like a lot of other things can like feel that way. Um, Because you're like, I created this problem for for myself and this is how I fix it and slowly it gets better and better. Um, how, How are you doing with your mental health lately? I've been doing pretty well overall. Good. Normally Good. winters are really rough for me because I work more in the summer and sure. and sp- warmer months, but but I've actually been doing really well. And I think it's because I this is the first year I've had a design community. Uh, I've been a part of this Ooh, board game design community and, and the board game community in general. And mm-hmm. and it's like, it's helped me Good. a lot. So Good. how about you? Good. Uh, I'm doing mostly okay. Um, I was recently let go from a job that I had of like six years. Um, the job where I yeah. subjected my, my coworkers to my awful old game. Maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. Um, so, but, uh, so that was really hard. And then obviously, you know, um, feeling a little more isolated. I moved about a year and a half ago. Um, so I have less friends. So that's been kind of hard, but, um, one thing I did want to talk about if you're feeling low, um, one thing that really helped me to get back into the habit of positivity. If you think about your thoughts as like train stations and these train and all these thoughts are, are trains going in and out of your of your station, right? What I found that helps me a lot is being mindful of my thoughts. So let's say this this train pulls in, this this big old rickety train pulls up to the, to, to your station and it's like, hey, maybe it's better if I'm not here, right? What you, what you are then doing is if you step onto that train, if you actively start thinking about that, you are choosing to, to ride on that train, right? So what I found is when I start thinking like that, I go, am I choosing to board this train? And if I am, I need to go, nope, you know what? This is the, the wrong stop for me. I'm going to go, I'm going to act, go out of my way to go do something else to, to get that train out of the station without me on it, right? So I go, hey, like I'm feeling kind of, you know, low. I need to change what I'm doing. And I do it like right then and there and immediately. And then I do that for about two weeks. And then I'm back to being solid again. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, I paid some good money for advice like that. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that they said it takes, it only takes like 15 or 20 seconds to become unmotivated. So like if you, if you dwell in that, at that station if you're deciding whether or not to get on that train then it only takes 20 seconds of undecisiveness to decide that you're going on that train totally and i totally that's why i said i do it immediately and i I didn't even make that connection but yeah no no pun intended i guess but um uh but yeah but yeah that's that's that but yeah, yeah life is life is good uh i mean we're laughing so we're having a good time both of us and we've both been you know sad so you yeah. know, things get better and, and things get easier. But, um, you know, 
it's okay, it's okay to have rough times, but get get through them and it'll, everything will be okay. Yeah, it's always it doesn't feel temporary at the time, but it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, ten to twenty three was did not feel temporary at all. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, now I can look back at it and be like, man, I was, I was edgy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it was from fourteen to twenty five or six. Jeez, yeah. So oh, like about God. the same length. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, that it's is horrible. It's just every day. Like, oh gosh. But, you know, here we are, and everything's great. Yeah, or better. <laughs> yeah, better. I mean, yeah, I mean... I'm, it's okay I'm, to have yeah. bad days still, of course. Totally. Oh, everyone has bad days. I had kind of a weird day, just kind of feeling weird today even, but, you know, this has brightened my mood, so... Oh, good. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you came on. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So, can you talk about any of your current designs? That uh, are... Yeah, I can talk about plenty. Uh, so, okay. I... This is a, this is a podcast exclusive... Um, I like last year, um, in March, uh, I guess I can't, we're going to, we're going to do this in steps. Um, (laughs) So I I haven't, so I got two contracts last year and I've kept them mostly under wraps, but I'm actually going to reveal them here. Um, I've been told I've been allowed to talk about both of them to a certain extent. I can't go too into detail. Um, but I kind of want to talk about like why I was, cause like why I became a mentor, was I was a mentee. And the reason why I was a mentee is I was feeling down about a contest. So, um, so I made one game in 2018, 2019, right before I moved to Idaho. I live in Idaho currently. I made a game, uh, an 18 card game where you are, and I like look back at this. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea, but where you're creating totems and you'd kind of build totems up. And so like, if you had like the Eagle totem above the, above the fish totem, you get certain points or whatever. Hmm. obviously a bad idea i'm very white i grew up near like a, a native american reservation but still probably not my place to use that theme so yeah. i didn't i didn't know what to do with that that theme um but the game itself was pretty good so then i got into a contest for button shy um and it was the contest to make a game based off a real life location uh, my mentor uh steven aramini you might know him for uh sprawlopolis is his biggest one He's also done like uh, he has Eternal Palace on Kickstarter right now. It's an awesome oh, game. Nice. I didn't know. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's a jack of all trades. He's such a good designer. And he's super humble and super nice. Highly recommend that man if you can ever talk to him. Amazing man. Tell him to come on the show. Absolutely. Um, I actually met him because my mom grew up with him in college. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and that's how I got to know him. That's a that's a great story. We'll get we'll I'll, I'll I bounce too much between my my stuff. <laughs> anyway, so Steven so Steven's like, hey, like you have like this game, and he's like, you know, the theme is a little, uh, but the he's like the mechanics are solid. Let's work on it a little bit together. And so he basically was my game developer, and so we came up with this game, Making Manhattan, and in it you are taking different sections sections of Manhattan and trying to create like a like an idealized form of where you think that all the sections should be right so like maybe you want harlem next to chinatown um or you know whatever um so then i entered making manhattan into this contest and i got top 15 i was like yeah and it's like that thing where once you have like a little success you're like i'm gonna win it (laughs) like of course i'm gonna win it you know like why wouldn't i win it but um uh i mean sprawlopolis is signed signed by button shy as well and i think it's their best seller um and so i felt like i had like some cheat codes going in a little bit you know and then they get to like the final round of judging and i didn't even make top three and i was absolutely crushed i shouldn't have been obviously 
But at the time, I was absolutely crushed because I was like, man, like, I put my best foot forward. Like, this was, like, the best game I could have done in 18 cards. And, you know, I didn't even make top 15. And I had and I had saw, seen? I, I had saw other games that made, like, top 15 get signed and then get published um, mm-hmm. from other contests. And I wasn't contacted about publishing. And I was like... I didn't. I know, like you're not supposed to. Like, I, I make games because it makes my brain brain happy. It's not about money. Um, and I do, I do want p- other people to play my games because if I enjoy them, I think other people will enjoy them. But right. you know, I also because I love it so much, I would love to do it full time. That is my that is my goal actually as a designer is I want to be able to design full time because yeah. it would it, that would be pure bliss for me. Um, my pie in the sky, as it were. But uh. <laughs> so I was feeling really low. I was like, oh, like, ah, I got my, my my best game forward, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, like, do I just not know what I'm doing? Like, maybe when they played it, they just thought it was so awful. You know, it just didn't make it. And I just was feeling horrible. So then I signed up to join uh, as a mentee in the program that we're both in. I'm a mentor. Uh, I'm your mentor, right? Yep. And so Tony... It's like, hey, like, listen to Ludology, listen to a couple of other podcasts, and then come talk to me about how you're feeling. And, like, every single designer was like, yeah, I sucked at first, and it was awful. <laughs> and and I, I was so horrible. And I'm like, you know, and I, I just came to the realization, like, I'm not any different than any of these other, like, wonderful designers. Um, I'm just, like, par for the course. You know what I mean? And I shouldn't give up. And just because I wasn't successful now doesn't determine my total future and i can continue to follow my passion and if i end up just like going to like print and plays and whatever that's fine because at least it keeps my brain happy designing yeah and then we fast forward to march uh 2020 right right when the pandemic was about to start uh i went to gamma which is in reno which is actually my hometown um so i stayed with my mom it was awesome and uh every day i drive out to this casino that the convention was being held at and i got a game signed there too uh, I, I got a game signed there, and then actually, when I drove home from from Gamma, uh, Button Shy contacted me. He was like, "Hey, we'd like to sign Mega Manhattan." I was like, ah, "I had to go through this whole character arc before you guys were contacting me. <laughs> like, you never just said it after the whatever." But yeah, so I got two contracts in the same week after feeling like incredibly low about myself as a oh, designer. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I have um, Making Manhattan um, signed by Button Shy. Uh, it should be out probably around the end of this year, I assume. Um, we're currently doing some development work on that. Um, some of the playtesters didn't love some parts of it, so we are, we're kind of flip-flopping between two options and um, kind of letting it simmer and see what happens. And then I have another game, um, and this is the game I cannot talk too much about, um, but it is signed by Thing12 Games, and it's super cool. And it's in development, and I really can't talk about it as much as I want to. Uh, and that should be out maybe early next year. It's currently getting art done. Um, I can't even like talk oh. about theme or anything about that game. It had to be super secret, but that's okay. That is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have some other games uh, that are being looked at by some other publishers and stuff, but nothing really of note there as it stands. So, and yeah. I've gotten to play... Uh, making manhattan a couple times and i Mm -hmm. love it i think it's such a a good game and it gets the you know early on in the my board gaming adventures i heard the phrase easy to learn uh difficult to master right and i think that's 
fits your game. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> that's the hope. <laughs> the hope is is it's such such complicated decisions that it shouldn't be obvious. That it's the that's the worry of that game. But um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm very glad. I, uh, I obviously I like... hope everyone's gonna love it, but we'll see. I think so. It seems like the perfect uh, game that's easy enough to pick up, and in your newest iteration, I think hit that even better. Yes, I agree. Um, it went from great to greater. <laughs> yeah, which was awesome, um, and that's what I I, I was talking to Jason, um, who owns Bungie Games, and was like, "Hey, like, be sure to thank the the playtesters for me because um, I guess this is something good to get into." So feedback. I, as I've gotten more into designing, um, it's been easier for me to accept feedback because when you first get started, it's like, well, you know, this is what I wanted to make and it should be good and it's not. And But feedback that you get from people isn't usually to like hurt your feelings unless you're playing with someone that you probably shouldn't be. It's <laughs> usually to make your game better. Um, when I was first making Hall Monitor, it was really hard for me to accept some feedback. Um, and it's gotten easier over time. And so these these playtesters for that um, work with Buttonshy had said, hey, this whole like mechanic really isn't working, or at least this one section of this one of this one mechanic isn't working. It's basically there was four powers I had, and three of the powers were okay. One of them was like everyone was like, no, that's horrible, don't do that. And I just was like. And but there was like a general rule of like, hey, we don't tend to use these powers too often because there's something you had to actively use on your turn. So I basically was like, well, let's get rid of the active powers and let's make them something more passive, like something that happens at the end of the game as like a scoring trigger, and you get to choose what you do with that at that point. And um, regardless of what we end up going with, reg- uh, the game is stronger for it. And when I was told the feedback, like at first I was like, ooh, like I thought I was done, but um, I took it with grace and it was like okay cool yeah let's let's try this boom let's get it going i didn't complain um you know tr- took it took it a different way and the playtesters were absolutely right and so i was i told jason i was like please thank them for me because the game is stronger for it nice yeah it's one of those things like i really enjoyed it the other way but playing it the new way i didn't have to reference the rule book as much and and right try and figure out what what symbol meant so right which is, is totally the goal because it has symbols in it and it's like um it's almost like uh it's like race for the galaxy light <laughs> like where there's a bunch of symbolism and you have to like figure out what the cards are telling you i call it speaking making manhattanese where <laughs> you like can just instantly read what the card is telling you and you get there pretty quick and but it, um in the first version but in the new version it's even faster so i totally yeah. agree with you going along that feedback line something i really liked uh, that i heard was if somebody's giving you really bad feedback like hurtful feedback or you know that it rubs you the wrong way or whatever it is they're giving you feedback because they care enough about your game to say it right like they're invested in the game so they're gonna try and say what could be improved on the worst feedback you could get is indifference Right, totally. Where they don't um, care enough to really give you any feedback. Right, uh, and I've had that before, and I've actually been guilty of that before. It was really embarrassing. Uh, so during Gamma, we went to a place called The Glass Die in Reno, and it's like this board game bar. And the guy Jeff is an amazing person, um, and he has just like the craziest game collection ever. Like um, all these industry professionals, like you know, 
I, you know, uh, Gilhova was there. Like, and all these people were commenting on the game collections on the walls. Absolutely incredible. But um, I sat down with the owner of Jellybean Games and I, and the owner of Weird Giraffe Games and uh, another designer, um, Carl, who's really cool. And we all played one of the Jellybean Games games, and it was a it was a heavier game and not really something I would normally go to. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but I basically, when the game was done, just walked away. And oh. I feel <laughs> I feel so guilty. <laughs> but like, it wasn't my type of game. Like I like I felt like unqualified to give feedback for it. And but <laughs> like I look back and I'm like, oh man, you really messed up there. <laughs> oh, that is rough. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's a cool guy, but yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that you prepped me really well for because my first time playtesting outside of family and you, uh-huh. uh, which I, I think as you, my mentor, it wasn't. It was intimidating to playtest with you, but it wasn't oh, like. As, I get I get fear sweats like when I first showed you my games I get like fear sweats still like oh really obviously every yeah obviously like every game is not going to be loved by every person but like you want people to like it right like yeah um and and I have enough games now where I'm like oh you didn't like this okay let's try this one and usually someone will find something that they like but yeah, yeah. oh yeah I get fear sweats all the time still when I play with people oh. you're totally good anyway continue that's good to know <laughs> but you had helped me improve my game so much that uh almost everybody's first time playtesting a game they made the feedback is that it's awful and that it it went very terribly and all this stuff and so mine is not that story at all because i had playtested it with you and and my brother and had gotten it to a pretty decent point before bringing it to strangers essentially right and so i brought it there and they were like oh this is really good yeah they gave feedback but it was they still enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think that is very important. Um, and yeah, and I told you, I was like, you know, I'm going to give you feedback and I'm going to be honest. But um, I try to, I think it's very important the way you frame feedback. Um, like, um, don't go like for the throat. Um, I I also like to talk about the stuff I liked. Yeah. Um, because I think that's important. Because even if you are giving feedback, you can also give like, hey, this is what I like. I mean, positive feedback, right? Like, this is what I liked. And I always make sure I do that um, just to have kind of a balance. And like, I, I was like, hey, like, do you want to talk about your game at all? Or do you kind of want to keep it secret? Oh, no, we can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I like about your game is that the I, I've, I've said it before and other people have said it apparently now. The cool thing about your game is it's a pickup and delivery game, but the where you deliver to moves over time. So stuff can get closer together or farther apart, depending where it is on the on the depending on where they are um which is super cool like i i i am not super familiar with pickup and delivery games um but i don't know of anything like that so that's kind of like the cool hook and i like the upgrade system for the most part and i like the i liked the 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 fact that you have different like time time requirements to getting it because it feels very thematic to me it feels like we're amazon in space which is great (laughs) which is great um but yeah but i was like but at the time we had this thing where you would basically set out all these different cubes onto each little spot on the card like oh this is worth you know four points and then it can be worth three points if it gets damaged and then after that it's just like unsalvageable 
And so I'd have to put two blocks on here. And then on the bottom, there was this timer and it would have three turns. So I had to deliver it in three turns. So I'd have to take another three blocks and put all three. And I'm like, can't you just make it like one block and then just slide it down? And then you made it happen and it was way better. Yeah. You know, so like, so like I wanted to get all the obvious feedback out and the other playtesters found stuff I, I couldn't and I'm not good enough to find. But um, so that, that was really cool too. But yeah, we got it to a point where it was in fight and shape and that was the goal. Yep. And it felt really good. I, I, I was thrilled with the feedback and that. It's interesting though, because a lot of the feedback was the positive stuff. Everyone was like, I love how the planets move. I love that aspect. I thought that was a really good hook. And now all the negative, not negative, but the constructive criticism. Yes, right. And it was like, that one positive felt really, really good. <laughs> and all of the you know constructive stuff still felt really good because I was like, oh, look how much they care. Like, look how much right. this hooked them that they were like, oh, I see the possibilities. Right. Um, and so totally. even though there was like 20 constructive things to the one good thing, I felt really good about it. Right. The board game community is amazing because for the most part, I mean, obviously it's not exclusively true, but for the most part, people want to see you succeed. Yeah. Um, there's no real bad actors out there as far as I've seen. Um, I know I've heard some stories and whatever, but um but like yeah like designers especially designers um they're a very close-knit group and they want to see you succeed yeah Um, i'm loving it my so your first time playing is very different than my first time playing like outside of my family so Uh i got this (laughs) i played like hall monitor and it got a bunch of positive feedback and from you know my coworkers that i forced it upon and all that and i was like you know what i need to take this outside of whatever and for whatever reason i don't know what possessed me but i was like i'm gonna go to a convention and get my game played there <laughs> now that is totally fine there are certain conventions like protospiel that uh or unpub where that is the goal of the convention i being fairly new to board games as a whole at the time didn't realize this um i had signed up to go to MeepleCon. <laughs> MeepleCon is basically what uh, Dice Tower West is now. Oh, gee. And so what it, what it's for is for people to pay play money to play games that they want to play. <laughs> so I signed up to get my prototype played with basically if someone didn't like my game, I basically wasted some of their money, right? Cause yeah. They're, so I went to this convention thinking it was going to go great, and it was like this three-day thing, and I met some... I met um, a friend there that owns Gobico Games, and he gave me some great advice. Um, Dave, wonderful guy, um, and all that. But it was really hard for me to get my game played, and I kept on like deflating and deflating and deflating. And by the final day, which is actually when my playtest was, because it was supposed to be like the high note of the thing, my original playtest spot was supposed to be at this table um, at the very front of the convention hall. And they were supposed to, and people had signed up to play this game. I go to the little table where um, my sheet is supposed to be, and I'm like, "Hey, where's this sheet?" And they're like, "Oh, we threw it away." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, great." And then I look at the table where it's supposed to be, and there's someone playing a game at that table, and the next three tables behind it are also full. Oh my goodness! So I am like almost like shaking from like almost about to cry, right? So I go down to like the fifth table back, which in this convention hall was actually fairly far back. Set up my stuff, don't have my setup sheet, and I sit down at my table and I set up my game and I sit there in silence and I am questioning everything I've ever done. 
Dave from Gobico Games stands up, and there's like these like cardboard signs that say, "Hey, looking for players." He sees that I'm sitting there by myself. He grabs this cardboard sign, starts holding it up, and starts pointing to me, and starts going around to tables and starts pointing them over to oh my gosh my table. I will never forget it. It was like it was like an oh my goodness moment, like like just one of the kindest things ever. I like tearing up just thinking about it actually. Um, and so he sends a couple players to my table we start playing and he sits down and plays as well um and at first when i'm teaching the game everyone's kind of silent and you know i'm just ready like there's a there's a trash can like to my left like within arm's reach and basically if if they were like oh this sucks i was literally gonna pick it up and drop it in the trash can and just be done with it like <laughs> just awful um but at uh, around a turn or two in one of the players goes well, if you do this, then I'm going to have to do that. And I want to have to do that. So don't do that. And I'm like, oh, they're getting into it. And like people are like standing up and talking and people are laughing. Um, I think if your game can get people to laugh, I think that's very strong. Um, that doesn't always happen um, in a lot of games. And obviously that isn't necessarily the goal. But like if someone's laughing at your table because they're having a good time, other players will notice. Um, oh, and so true. people yeah. and people start walking by and like looking at it. I'm like, yeah, I made this. Uh, so the play <laughs> test is done. And I give I got these feedback cards from people, and one of the guys like looks looks at me, and he's like, you know, if you had a copy of this available to buy, I would purchase it from it you right now. Hmm. And that was like my very first time, and this was like in like 2017, maybe early 2018, whenever the last MeepleCon was. Um, and so that was my like, like <laughs> I turned up the stakes to like 11, like it was like this do or die, like horrible. And I wish I would have had someone that was like, hey, let's take it easy, let's get it all ready, and you know, um, let's get it ready for your thing. And our goal, like for me being your mentor was like, Hey, let's just get ready for this convention. Cause I, it's very important for people to play your game. Yeah. And for you not, cause I had like all those thoughts of like PTSD, like nom flashbacks <laughs> in my head of like, Oh, <laughs> I'm going to throw away my game. And, and my, my sheet wasn't out and all that stuff. So that is wild. Well, yeah. That's like, I've very rarely talked about that, but yeah, it was extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you stuck through it after all that. I mean, me, me too. But then that whole thing with button shy happened. Like we only got top 15 and then I had another crisis. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> well, it can't be too easy for you. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not God's gift to design. Uh, I'm not even close. I think most designers are actually much better than me, but you know, I, I, I do my best and it makes me happy. So that's the most important thing. I don't even know. I think everyone's just different. Like you're, I think you're an excellent designer. You have, I've played a couple of your games and all of them I think are great. And even though there was a one that was like iffy ish, but Mm -hmm. it was still a lot of fun to play. Right. And it's like, I know you'll get it there. What game was that? I don't mind if you talk about it. The Egyptian one. What was that? called? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, uh, I changed the name now, but, uh, yeah, I entered that into cardboard Edison, I think. Yeah. And I did like some decent scores and basically they were all saying, yeah, like it needs some more work, which was good. I tend to enter my games into contests because it kind of lights a fire underneath you for like having a deadline because you might like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to work on the rule book. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But then if you're like, well, I'm entering into a contest, so it has to be ready by then. I think it's very <laughs> helpful. Yeah, that game's on. That game is uh, is, is, is pretty decent. And I, I there's definitely potential there. I don't know how to fix it yet. So it's kind of on the back burner. That makes sense. Sometimes it's nice to just step away from a project and then come back with fresh eyes after yeah. you've worked on other things. 
Yeah, um, so my second ever design was a game called Pata's Pyramid, and it's kind of a capture the flag game. You had this, if you match, you move mechanic. So like you have like a hand of cards, and everyone would play down one. So if I play three and you play three, we both get to move three in like a turn order. But um, if we do not match, so if I play one, you play two, and someone else plays the other threes, um, we don't get to move, um, oh. which was kind of interesting. And you had like these lasers that could that could kill the players, send them back to the, to the respawn, and then they would drop the flag where they were. So sometimes you didn't want to match with people, and sometimes you did. Um, but game voice just felt a little weird to me. I tried it with dice and whatever. And now I've come back to that after about two years, and I'm doing it as a trick-taking game. Um, which I think is super interesting and I've been working on it and it's going to be pretty cool. I hope so. Yeah. So sometimes you just leave it on the back burner and come back and, and yeah, fresh eyes. Yeah. And you've learned new stuff by that time. Oh yeah. Um, so one of the reasons why I signed up as a mentor because of like imposter syndrome is now I actually feel like I'm almost qualified to be a mentor because <laughs> now that I've worked with both think 12 and button shy, I kind of know like publisher feedback for games usually, mm-hmm. or like what a publisher would maybe say, or so I, I've been able to find more critical flaws faster in a game, right? Like your game had the damage mechanic, which I think is totally has merit, but we would play total games without even using it once. Yeah. And so I suggested a fix and now it can happen in both ways, but now it's more, way more likely to happen. Yeah. And that was just something as like a publisher, like do I want to spend a line of my rule book in, you know, teaching this? And I've been trying to think of that, like, okay, is this worth rule book space? Is this? Yeah. So that's uh Danny divine. Um, he also worked on Sprawlopolis. Uh, and then he just had uh, Kohaku come out. Um, really great game. If you haven't tried it, highly recommend it. Beautiful. Uh, he, he, that's the guy who taught me that. It was like, Hey, it does, it deserve space in your rule book. If it I doesn't, you that. should probably just cut it. Yeah. Smart guys. Yeah. Let's talk about, I think one of the best themes I've heard of in a long time, Java dragons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that game to death. I don't know why that game is so cursed to not get signed. Um, but that is the game I am I am pushing the most out of all my games. It is, I love weird themes. Um, I think weird themes are amazing. And I think that personally, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but um, as a general rule, I think there should be more interesting things, themes out there in general. It, Wingspan, you know, Elizabeth Hargrave, amazingly talented designer birds weren't selling and then all of a sudden they were selling like hotcakes you know yeah um and that's not even like that necessarily out there of a theme um cryptid cafe was recently on kickstarter and it's a game where you are serving cryptids stuff uh which is kind of similar to the java dragons themes which i'll get to but i think there should be more of a willingness to do weird themes and i love weird themes i love weird themes so java dragons is a game where you're basically working at a mom and pop coffee shop and you are a barista, you know, you whatever, but your clientele just happen to be dragons uh, because <laughs> dragons want to be awake like the rest of us. And depending on what brew you give each dragon, they'll pay you something different. And it's an I split you choose game, which I think is very cool. I've never played a game like that. Are there, is that a normal mechanic? I split you choose? Yeah. Um, I can think of two of off of my head, off oh, the top okay. of my head. Um, Sunday split 
is a pretty good game. It's kind of a smaller card game in it. You are, I think, it's been a while since I played it. I think you're making Sundays. Um, and some of the cards are face up and some of the cards are face down. And you have to choose which one you want um, to, to have like as you, like your toppings. And then New York, Sl- New York Slice, I think that's what the game is called. Uh, I think it's called New York Slice. Uh, it was originally like a pie-themed game. Uh, it's from Bezier Games. Yeah, New York Slice uh, is is probably one of the biggest ones. You are splitting up parts of a pizza, and so like, and whoever has majorities at the end of the game wins. But um, so you were literally dividing up like the little cuts of the pizza, and so you could say like, you get three pieces. Uh, you could get three pieces, and this person gets two, but these pie, these slices are worth more points. And you get whatever's left, so you want to make it as fair as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two that first quickly come to mind, but it's not a very popular mechanic. And so that's another reason why I kind of chose it. I actually made that game. I had a bunch of cards and dice. I was messing with them on a table. And I put like a card, a die, a card, a die, a card, a die in kind of a circular formation. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I kind of put like one die with one card, one die with another card. And that's how it started. Oh, that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I remember. It's weird, the things you remember about certain games like i remember like where i was when i designed this game or when i fixed something it's very weird yeah that makes i mean it's like that aha moment and so it yeah. sticks with you just yeah. like the whole laughing thing while playing a game you're creating a moment like you've created a moment for for creating your game in right. creating your totally game. this totally. is a milestone <laughs> yeah absolutely weird theme i think it's an excellent game personally obviously that's why i made it um, it tends to be most people's favorite game of mine, and I've pitched it to two publishers. One said they would be maybe be willing to publish it, and they think that they could only sell X amount of copies or whatever, and it didn't seem like it was like necessarily their brand. So I was like, I'll find a brand that's like a better fit for it, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Uh-huh. And then the other company I published it to, uh, they had me send them a prototype copy, and they've been kind of silent, so I don't know what to do there, but... Oh. I want that game signed so bad. People love it. People love that game, and I don't know what to do. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I know there was some pressure to change the theme from somebody, but yeah. So that was from one of the publishers. Then that was one of the okay. other reasons is because I really believe in that theme. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the the that publisher that had you know was like, hey, maybe if we change the theme. But like for me and for a lot of people, that's one of the strong points of the of the theme is because it's so out there. Um, and because it's so weird, it's a little, it's memorable, right? Like you can play another trading in the meta trading game, or you can make a game where you make dragon's coffee, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I could think of a dozen ways we could turn that into something that's more generic, but, right. but yours is just right. So they could have, yeah, they could have just been customers. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. I tried to, I was actually buying uh, playing cards because I used to sleeve my games and put playing cards in them. Like, so I'd cut out the paper for my prototypes, sleeve them, and then sl- put a playing card behind them. Uh huh. And so that way, like, it felt like my cards had like weight or whatever, even though it was kind of just like a hack. But I had bought a, a deck of coffee cards and a deck of dragon cards, and I was going to make a coffee game and a dragon game. I was like, why don't I just mix them? And it's two popular things. People love coffee. People love dragons. So why not? Yeah, it's a golden theme. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And it is it is a charming game. I cuz like when you're rolling the dice, it's not like you're just rolling random things. You're rolling your heat. Right. 
And so, right. you know, some if you're going to do a cold brew, you need to roll a two. Uh, yeah. And then you have fire tokens, so you could heat it up manually if you wanted, but you yeah. can't cool it down. And it's yeah. just thematically, this it fits so perfect. Everything is... I'm so glad. Exactly how it should be. I'm so glad. I I, I think I'm... I, I find I tend to be more of an abstract designer. Not yeah. abstract games, but I, I, I don't know if my games always translate 100% to the theme. So I'm glad that came through for you. I don't know if everyone will catch it, but, you know, the people who will, I think, will appreciate it. I think so. It, and I know that you, like, we've talked about this before, about not being too tied to your uh, to your theme. Yes. And so, you're willing to change your theme on most games. Yes, on most <laughs> games. So um, my game, Simon Think 12, its original theme was You Are Aliens Abducting Things. And they have since changed that theme. I can't even talk about the theme change. Uh, I just don't want to make them mad. I love them. They're they're very good people. But uh, <laughs> they were they were like, yeah, you can say you have a game in development with us, and that's about it. And I was like, okay, so that's what I'm going to say to you. Um, yeah, perfect. But yeah, they were, but yeah, so and like that game, I wasn't you know tied to the theme, and that's because people didn't say, oh, I love the theme or I hate the theme. The theme was just kind of there. But with Java Dragons in particular, people are like, oh, I love the theme. And, and I told people about, like, I was like, what if I change the theme to, to the proposed theme? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like it would kind of lose something. And I, ha- I actually made a, a copy that had the change theme. And people were just kind of, I don't know, like, literally, like, their reactions were less. Um, have you ever played the game uh, Diamant? No. It has, it has another name. So it's this game where you are going deeper into a cave. Uh, to get treasures or whatever, and if you get two of the same hazard as you're going in, you lose everything. So if I if you get two snakes or whatever, hmm. so you can keep on going in, or you can go back into camp. Um, there was this study done. I listened to it on another podcast, and they basically had changed the theme to "You are firefighters instead going into this building and saving people." And if you whatever, then all the people that you saved would burn up probably <laughs> or whatever that's more abstract than that but you know that's the implied and yeah. what they noticed is is they had people play different versions of the game and people were less willing to make risks during the firefighter version of the game oh. even though it's the exact same game it's just the theme is lacquered a little bit differently which is very interesting to me like um and so like my theme for java dragons people tend to gravitate towards it because it's a little quirky but it's like the cool kind of quirky because like you know you're doing something mundane in a fantasy universe as opposed to you're doing something fantasy in a fantasy universe or doing something mundane in a mundane universe you know yeah that makes sense i mean i could see even just the difference of like in one game lives are at risk and in the other game you're right but it's the exact same thing right it's so interesting it's so interesting that is fascinating. fascinating. Game design, yeah, game design is incredible. Yeah, once, once you really get into it, oh, love it. <laughs> it is. It's been such a fun world to get to dive into. I'm glad that it's been fun for you. I always worry about that, like with any designer coming in. Like I want everyone, especially uh, marginalized groups, to feel welcome. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's because it's been amazing for me, and I want that feeling for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What uh, what other hobbies do you have outside of board gaming? Uh, so a couple. Um, I obviously play video games a lot too. My favorite game of all time is Dota Two. Love that game to death. I have like six thousand hours. I've been playing since like twenty fourteen. 
Whoa. Yeah, it's a it's a MOBA style game, so like every time you play it, it's a little different. Um, yeah. It's it's been harder for me to play it a little bit because I um uh the players can you know kind of give you feedback as you play and they're not sometimes they won't be the nicest and I'm just there to kind of relax and not worry about that so yeah like if you don't win it's not a huge deal yeah yeah for me but for other people's like i'm like they're like they're like i can't believe you did this and i'm like i am so sorry that this game means so much to you like i (laughs) i hope you have more going on in your life where this game is is not everything because like i'm like i got two games coming out i feel great i was just here to relax you know yeah like um so that's kind of unfortunate but um and then other than that i really like uh, music a lot um I uh, almost went into sound engineering uh, in the early 2010s as like a career, but that job was kind of more of who, who you know and not what you know. Yeah. Um, as opposed to board games, which is like, hey, you know, if you make something good, we'll listen regardless, probably. Um, and you'll get to know a lot of people along the way. Yeah, and everyone's really friendly, as opposed to the music industry where everyone kind of feels like untouchable. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I really like uh, I really really like music, and I have like a very eclectic taste. So, do you um, those are the do you play music? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm, no, I wish I should have. I should have followed through with some of my instruments that I started learning or whatever. But I don't know. It was part of my like depression. Like I wouldn't follow through on anything. You know. Oh yeah. So yeah, I understand that. Um, what kind of music are you into? Uh, so I have a very eclectic taste. So my very very favorite genre of music is just insanely heavy music just like unbelievably i mean i mean one of the bands that i really like lately is a band literally called thy art is murder so you know okay you know uh which is you know which is i feel like a very different form of my personality but i um I like to think that our psyches like to have kind of a balance. I'm very passive in my everyday and that's where kind of like my aggressiveness comes out. Yeah. Um, other than that, I've really been getting into Russian and Chinese rap. Don't know oh. why. Well, I actually do know why I feel like when I listen to a rap song and they say some fairly ignorant lyrics, which I've, you know, depending on the day, I'm more or less giving on, um, in a Russian or or Chinese song, so like uh, Higher Brothers is who I'm specifically referring to in the Chinese scene, and then the rap scene, uh, there's a rapper called Face that I really like. Um, when I listen to these songs from different countries, one, when they say something ignorant because it's in another language, I don't necessarily like get hooked on that part. Like, wait, did they really just say that awful line? Because yeah. it's kind of just like a mood now. And then two, they have more interesting things to say if you end up translating the lyrics. So Face uh, is a Russian rapper, and so um, he has to kind of deal with the Kremlin. And the Kremlin basically had said, hey, do you want to put out a song that is pro-Kremlin for us? And he was like, nope, (laughs) I really don't. Uh, So I think they have just more interesting things to say overall because they have a different – it's interesting to hear their country from their perspective. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, it, they're dealing with something completely different than what we're dealing with. Right. So there's a lot of rap that's very relevant to right now. And, and oh, I absolutely. And pushing for change here. And it's it's kind of cool to see how they use that same sort of platform for, for their own push. Absolutely. I mean, so some of my favorite, like, heavy bands, one of them's a band called Straight From The Path. Um, even before the last kind of um, 
uh, atrocities, I would say, performed by some of the, the cops here. Um, they had released two songs, I think one in 2013, one in 2015 or 16, called Badge and a Bullet, Parts 1 and 2. And they talk about pr police brutality. Um, Kubla Khan, uh, True Fear, talks about police brutality. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so it's not exclusive, um, which is yeah. why I feel like I get like that part. Like, I get the... Um, I, I, I guess for me, like, I want to be more mad when I'm talking about my own country. And when I am listening to someone else's country from their perspective, I want to feel more of that, hey, tell me a story in, in your interesting lyrics vibe, yeah. I guess. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes makes sense to me. Yeah, and then after that, it's like, uh, I really like, like, 40s and 50s music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really, yeah, I really like, uh, I really like uh, songs that, like, make me want to go buy a girl a malt or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I yeah. just imagine listening to your playlist on Shuffle and having some things, oh. having some, you know, death metal going on. And, yeah. And then just going to, like. Well, I'm going to the star. <laughs> yeah, it totally is that way. Um, I grew up uh, watching Lawrence Welk with my with my um, grandparents, uh -huh. and so Lawrence Welk was kind of that kind of show where they put on they sing kind of like that and talk about like a better time and all that. So I think that's where it comes from. But yeah, it is hmm. it is very 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 jarring. Um and. But I can almost guarantee you'll only understand about sixty or thirty-three percent of what you listen to, right? Because if you can't yeah. understand what the metal song is telling you, and you can't understand what the foreign song, uh, you'll be able to to understand at least the forties, fifties songs. <laughs> That's yes. the only sure thing about my playlist, and that you'll get Whiplash. You like Dream Theater, don't you? I yeah, I uh, they're hit and miss for me, but yes, okay. um, instrument instrumentally, I think they're very impressive, um, and. I think they have some of the best album covers of all time. Um, They're pretty cool. But, yeah, but I tend to, um, uh, I tend to, I my favorite genre is actually uh, called hardcore, and mm -hmm. it tends to be less intricate than what Dream Theater is into, and it's kind of more aggressive. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I'll definitely listen to some Dream Theater sometimes, but I wouldn't say I was like necessarily a fan. But if they were in town, I would maybe go see them just to watch them play. Nice. Um, uh, in the same lines as them, I would maybe recommend a band called Polyphia. They are instrumental metal, and they they've kind of softened their their sound over the couple couple years. But I went to go see them live, and they um, they don't since they're instrumental, they don't have a singer, and I didn't think I would be like that into it because I feel like a singer brings a lot of stage presence. Yes, and uh, nope, they're just so good at their instruments. You just watch them play, and you're absolutely entranced. It's like it's like ASMR almost where it's like oh, someone wow. is so, so crazy good at something that you are just entranced by what they're doing regardless. It's like, like watching Bob Ross paint or like, <laughs> you're just like, wow, you are so talented. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm, it doesn't matter of what I think this experience should be. You're killing it. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, John, for coming on. Do you, you have, yeah. Thank you for coming on <laughs> yes yes <laughs> do you have something to plug uh yeah so uh big manhattan from button shy coming out eventually uh be on the lookout for my game uh from thing 12 um and most of all just be good to one another because we only have one shot at this and and uh no one should feel uncomfortable or unhappy with things like race um where they couldn't control it you know so 
Absolutely. Do you have social media that you want anyone to follow you or a website? Uh, or yeah. So my Twitter is JDW Board Games. Even though I mostly make card games, go figure. <laughs> uh, and that's mostly about it. I tend to stay off of social media because it kind of aggravates my my bad thoughts. So that's fair. That is fair. Is that what your uh, your design company is? I guess JDW Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you don't. I don't use know, it, but it. Yeah, like I mean, like on the uh, hopefully I'm making Manhattan. I'm making Manhattan. It should say either like John Woods or John David Woods uh, making Manhattan. Oh, okay. um, but I wouldn't say it's JDW board games, you know. So, but yeah, that's <laughs> okay. where you can find me, and that's and that's also my email if you ever want to shoot me a question about uh, playtesting. I'm always looking for more playtesters, and I'm always willing to be a playtester. Um, so yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much, and until next week, keep nerding out, y'all. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can follow me at NerdOutWithUs. And if there's anybody that you think would be a good guest for the show, feel free to DM me or at me and say, hey, so-and-so would be a great guest. Or even, hey, I would be a great guest. I would love to have anybody. This is this is just about getting to know people throughout the board game community. Nobody's too small. Nobody's too big. I will ask them. Until next time. Oh, what's that? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a board game. <laughs>